Thank you a lot. Thank you, Bill. Really, really happy to be here. So I was uh, Harvard College 2016. I studied economics. I used to work at Ray Dalio's fund. I did investing and trading there. It was lots of fun. I can tell you that. And then I worked. Uh, I have been working on uh, my current company called Genesis AI. We are creating. Uh, network of machine learning models for the asset management space. We have multiple models, for example, natural language processing, speech recognition, and so on, that are working together to provide analytics to hedge funds and mutual funds. Okay, uh, Okay. first question. Um, how was the experience at, at Bridgewater Associates? Oh, experience was great. Bridgewater is very, they, they have very interesting people, meaningful work, meaningful relationships, also, company culture is super interesting. The idea of radical transparency and radical yeah, yeah, yeah. truth. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so I was reading the principles. Do you have the baseball cards? Uh, we do. <laughs> All of us had baseball cards. And everyone knew everything about you, you know? So it was very interesting. It was type of uh, culture was uh, was really supporting people to develop as fast as possible, you know? how you were getting real-time feedback, mostly about your weaknesses, but also about your yeah. strengths <laughs> as well. And it was super helpful. Sometimes it was painful to get this feedback, but in the long term, it was really, really helpful. Yeah. So the company culture is very interesting. It's painful in the short term, but really good in the long term. So should we provide to listeners a little bit of a background, like uh, background to the who's Ray Dalio and just the background yeah. of the story? Just, just a quick, quick question. Is it funny to work in the middle of nowhere in a house? What do you mean? Isn't, isn't Bridgewater Associates in the middle of nowhere in this in this compound? Like Bridgewater? In uh, it's yeah. uh, it's basically surrounded by trees and it's pretty much in the forest. Yeah. Uh, but it's still close to, uh, it's very easy to get to the downtown areas. It's uh, close to New Haven, right? It's uh, close to New Haven, exactly, yeah. in Westport, yeah. yeah. But it's, it provides uh, you know, not many distractions around you. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> only focus on work. Exactly. So you can... of the <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. that's the only distraction, you know? <laughs> no, but like for people who are listening, definitely two books to read from Ray Dalio, I would say The, the Principles, which anybody, you mm-hmm. don't have to be in finance or nothing. Principles, it's amazing. And also The Big Debt Crisis. It's the new one. Yeah. yeah I started reading it on the Amazon, has it, of course. Um, mm-hmm. And it's fucking amazing. Well, interesting. And it very much reflects, uh, very much uh, provides analytics about what's happening right now. Yeah. Huge debt accumulated. Uh, yeah. And somehow, you know, if uh, 
if your uh, income is growing uh, less than uh, your debt is growing, at some point you need to, you won't be able to, exactly, you need yeah. to deleverage, you need to yeah. be rebuild, you won't be able to repay this anymore. And that's when default starts, economy yeah. crashes, right? That's what happened in 1930. So we are very much similar to what uh, we were in 1930s, and this can end very, very badly, very badly. So, so let's, let's, uh what we were saying basically that the situation now here uh, at this point of time in the United States is similar to the one in the mm -hmm. 1930s or like the one after the Great Depression more or less exactly and I, well, I know what he was saying in the book uh, is that when the government uses the what's called the policies when they buy assets quantitative easing quantitative mm -hmm. easing they, they create basically the people who own the assets become richer but the people who don't have assets exactly the, stay the same or poorer and then the exactly. difference becomes Bigger, exactly. and it's a direct result of what they were doing after the crisis, which was necessary, mm -hmm. but then it creates this. Exactly, that's a great point, one, yeah. because that creates huge problems with inequality, right? And because of inequality, people who don't have much revolt at some point. It's a substantial blow to the economy and to the country. Because your absolute rich holds assets, right? Yeah. People who are not rich, they do not hold anything. Yeah. So when they did quantitative easing, it was perfect for wealthy, yeah. but almost did nothing for well, the, for the it's poor. A, it's actually the simple question, what is the guy going to do? Already owns five houses, get another mm -hmm. ship loan and buy the sixth one? Exactly. Or, uh, yeah, a regular low-income family that mm -hmm. doesn't know how to spell the word loan. Yeah, and at the same time, loan. exactly. And at the same time, you have Instagram, so you can actually see yeah. what the rich people are doing. Yeah. You know, like before and you didn't know. Exactly, <laughs> and you have Bernie Sanders crying all the time, <laughs> complaining about everything, and pretty much indirectly supporting revolution. Right? Yeah, this is very, very dangerous. Not paying his interns at least minimum wage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we feel the pain all the way. <laughs> Uh, no, me and Bill for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, what do you think? I, I, I was thinking all the time when I read this and I read the. I didn't finish with the book because he had like 40 different crises analyzed That's and everything. Right. So he put a lot of data into this. But what do you think is the way out of this? Because hmm. when you had the the, depth, uh, the 30s, you had the World War II. Yeah. That was kind of the way out. And But like. What the fuck, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a very interesting question. Um, so, the few things that can happen. Uh, first is, it's some type of revolution, you know. Revolution either someone like Bernie Sanders coming to the government and imposing a huge tax on wealth, wealthy people and redistributing wealth through that way, or revolution in literal terms. People are literally revolting and lots of bad things happening. Uh, that's uh, two scenarios that can happen. A third scenario is, is this uh, dream for wealth, uh, so the accumulation for wealth that can continue for next 10 or 20 or even 100 years. Yeah. So uh, there's three scenarios. I don't think there is any other solution. I don't think there can be a way to have sort of mildly remedy situation without any big problems. I don't think that's possible. Yeah, uh, for me, one thing I have on taxes when people tell me, oh yeah, we should tax, I think that people think, okay, we tax the rich, and then rich are just going to pay the money, and the government is going to... It sounds very good, but mm -hmm. first of all, when you tax the rich, the rich are going to leave the country. Exactly. They're going to go to Monte Carlo, wherever, or UK, or Ireland is a great example, and you, you 
first of all, companies are gonna like when they leave, they leave, move their headquarters. Yeah. Actually, it's gonna they're gonna let people go. So again, the people who don't have the money will now again get hit, and not the rich guy who are just gonna change their geographic location and pay lower taxes. It's a great point. It's an excellent point. I think people should be ready for high taxes. For example, Sweden is exception to this, right? Mm-hmm. Sweden has around 70 percent tax rates, and rich people still stay there. Mm-hmm. Why? Because there are other things why Sweden is is an interesting mm-hmm. place for them to live. In the US, though, other things are not really at the degree as Sweden has, you know? If we create a situation where rich can still stay in the US, even though there are high taxes, that can be sort of solution for this inequality problem. But we are probably 100 years away from that. What do you think that Sweden has that the US doesn't have? It's very, very interesting. I think first, it's government has been doing lots of great job, but to be honest, about telling and convincing people that it's okay to help people who don't have much money. It's okay to sort of redistribute this wealth. U.S. has been founded on these ideas that individual freedom is the most important, right? Sweden has some idea of that, but it's still more about community and the U.S. should do whatever it takes to have this community type mindset where it's about us and not you and him. And I think that will be most important change in mindset that will make people okay to uh, to accept higher taxes. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, there's a difference between Europe and I think Europe and US are very similar. But then I, when you come here, you realize that like the, the fundamentals here are different. Mm-hmm. Like you can't fuck up, fuck with something. The government can be too big. That's right. Uh, it's very sensitive, you know, like, oh yeah, putting high taxes stuff. people are here. Yeah. I think different than Europeans. Mm-hmm. I think the France, I think France is like complete opposite. The government can do stuff, protect the worker. Like here, the government, if you do too many things, is like, yeah. We, uh, there's, a, there's a great quote, if you ever seen the movie Killing Them Softly. Yeah. Have you seen it? <laughs> Not the movie, the song. I know the song. To, you have yeah. to see the movie with Brad Pitt when he's the, the paid assassin. And yeah. you know, like last last scene, uh, they, on the they did they don't pay him for the killing that he does, and they're trying to invent like a reason why they didn't pay him. And he's listening to this guy, and Obama is on the on the on the uh, on the TV doing his famous speech on the inauguration. You know, like mm. this is the country for the uh, and the gay and black. Uh, mm. And the guy tells him like, oh, this this is for you. And other guy is like, and Brad Pitt is like, this is. <laughs> It's not the country, it's a business, so fucking pay me. <laughs> That's like the last sentence of the movie, the movie. <laughs> great movie. That's um, funny. That's funny. Um, mm. So yeah, um, yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a funny point. Mm. I think I think Scandinavian countries in general have done a very great job uh, in terms of implementing some kind of socialism. That's right. That doesn't get out of hand. That's right. Yeah, I mean, what's the most interesting thing about Scandinavian countries? Sweden has highest number of entrepreneurs per capita, highest number of artists per capita, which means what? Because of government system where if you if your business doesn't go well, you won't be left out in the street. Mm-hmm. Or if your new revolutionary arts work doesn't go well, you won't end up in the street. People are okay to experiment and follow their passion. If you do something in the US and your side doesn't go well, you are somewhat in trouble, you know, like you need to find a way to get out from there. 
in Sweden, people can take risks. And that's the, I think, ideal environment where people can do whatever they are passionate about. You, when you can literally do, uh, yeah, live your life normally, yeah. you know, and maximize your happiness. Yeah, but Sweden's population is also not too big. So the thing is, the US is huge in terms of population. The US has like 250 million inhabitants. Around, no, yeah. 350, 350, 350 inhabitants. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I, don't, I think it's hard to do this for such a large and non-homogenous population. Yeah, I think, I think for example, I, mm-hmm. also when I went to Sweden, people were telling me like, here, it's not uh, cool at all. People tell you if you boast yourself, if you... You're like, oh yeah, I'm the real. Yeah, it's like culturally not acceptable. Like, mm-hmm. they will tell you like what you're doing is not okay. Like, so I think there's also and here it's all about. Yeah, you know, I'm it's the one. I'm the, I'm the chosen one, the American dream. You know, like mm-hmm. I'm pushing. But then at the same time, you see so many homeless people, you see so many drunks, you see, I don't know, medication addicts. Montenegro like, is not a very same. very rich country, and you don't see yeah. this. You know, like. There's a lot of money here that can be... That's right. All of our hands. I mean, not not such a huge exactly. quality, you know? Exactly. To be honest, I think the fact that it was larger than Sweden, I think that's better for us to create a better world for anyone. Why and why? Because... Because of like few reasons. First and most important is larger your domestic market is better opportunities are for companies in your country to become global players. Because you sell your your whatever you're selling to your domestic market first. Because it's large, you can have economies of scale and then expand out. So Sweden, five million people or twenty or whatever the the amount there is, it's harder, right? So you need to find new ways to create this global company. They actually still manage Spotify's from there, for example, right? And many other big companies. So size I think it creates operational challenges, but it's really, really interesting to grow the overall pie. That's why China, one major reason why China has been having spectacular growth is because of its size, which yeah. basically meant people could have had these economies of scale through selling to domestic domestic uh, people initially. Yeah, and I know, I know. for example, with the business, uh, we're talking about size and business and it creates problems. If you're too small, Montenegro has less than a million people. We don't even have McDonald's. Because like, they don't want to, like, first of all, you can get like cheaper food, and mm-hmm. second of all, there's not enough people. Like really, the, the, usually companies would open, would open, a, a, let's say in Serbia and in Croatia, yeah. where it's like three to eight million people, and then they would have a subsidiary or something small in Montenegro because it doesn't really pay off to open in a city. We're, a ci- we're like, we're, exactly. we're smaller, we're like five times smaller than Boston in terms of population. So that's exactly. your market, exactly. like Somerville. Exactly. So um, only only actually uh, Deloitte, PwC, these guys have offices everywhere. I, I think yeah. they have on Mount Everest. You see PwC. Because they need uh, three people working on the computer. Yeah. <laughs> 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 they need uh, yeah, guys, I think you can optimize the temperature yeah. a bit. And oxy- <laughs> <laughs> Making an espresso report. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's funny. So should we talk a little bit about the the, the, the markets um, mm-hmm. quickly, and then we can we can jump into AI. You For specialize sure. in AI, and but for yeah. sure. So what do you think about all this trade war and all this uh, yeah. hoopla? Yeah, it's very interesting what's happening in the trade war. And this very much resembles to what happened with uh, US and Japan in 1980s. So nine, from 1960 to 1980s, Japan has been growing around 7 to 10% year over year. People saw that Japan would overtake US in 1990 or 2000. And so that trajectory was there. So what happened was the U.S. got super worried about that, and they decided to impose 100% tariffs, and I would be 100% tariffs 
on electronic use it was coming from Japan and also there were substantial tariffs on Japanese cars right. and what's happened was this change sentiment in Japan from oh we'll be the number one first to oh we'll be in big trouble mm-hmm. because there are all these companies that borrowed a lot they cannot yeah. repay it back there are all these companies who invested so much and they do not get investment returns anymore and people changed their perception of what the future would be and that triggered pretty much a recession in japan so last 30 years japan has been growing at less than 0.5 percent year over year and it's terrible right they're still struggling with inflation which is literally less than one percent so japan is now the no no one is real singing that it can overtake us anymore so similar thing is happening within us to china right now us realized that china's economy was would probably become larger than the U.S. very soon, and they hit China on its weakest but most important power point. And for example, technology, right? Huawei, what's happening with Huawei mm-hmm. is exactly what U.S. did with Japan's electronics, which was becoming the leader in the world. Mm-hmm. And I think China, it will end very bad for China. I think this will trigger potentially recession in China, which subsequently might trigger global recession in you in general in the world. Yeah. Exactly. I, th- I actually I actually think that they don't even that US does give a fuck <laughs> that if they make as long as it fucks China up more than it fucks exactly. up the rest of the world, they're good. Exactly. Because you, you lose more than we do and then yeah. Exactly. And I think this will all start after twenty twenty. Yeah. I think groundwork is prepared right now and I think it will happen after twenty because Trump doesn't want recession before twenty twenty. He wants to make sure it will happen afterwards. And the U.S. will get hurt much, much less than China. China will will be like Japan. It will become wealthy country, but never close to U.S. And that's that's the sole strategy of Trump's administration. Yeah. Our friend had a good point. Uh, You know, Christian Congo? Yeah. When when we're talking about Trump, uh, like, he gave a very good perspective. That, Mm -hmm. like, yeah, we talk about Trump, he's like, yeah, what if he was he was elected, he was put in place where he is because the things that he was supposed to do, any politician wouldn't, wouldn't be able to do. Because like the things that were needed to be done, you need somebody who can be portrayed as crazy, right? That's right. So like he's crazy, but maybe it's like what the US needs to do, you know? Yeah. But it's very radical. So instead of putting it on the establishment, you would have this one individual who's crazy and he's like making all the decisions. That's right. But as soon as he tries to make something that they don't really like, like a, a judge from fucking Washington says, yeah. okay, this is not working and then the president can decide. Exactly. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting. And then you have a nice mm-hmm. news feed uh, every day coming mm-hmm. in. Trump does this, Trump does this, Trump on over there. And then, yeah. But it's really, easier, really easier to, to swallow. If you That's think right. if, if there's, if there's like a, if you know, like, like this establishment kind of view that, that there are a couple of people that rule mm-hmm. the world or whatever, if that's really the truth, like it would make sense for uh, the influential people to put him in place to make the, the, the decisions that are not popular. That's right. And uh, it's not connected to them. He's crazy, mm-hmm. but they're needed. That's right. They're needed. That's right. Yeah. And uh, Trump has been, I would say, great for U.S. In terms of economically speaking, U.S. unemployment rate is around 60-year low. He literally brought job back, jobs yeah. back through, for example, when he convinced the car manufacturer not to 
shut down its plant in the U.S. and moved to Mexico. He literally convinced cowboys to move back to U.S. U.S. bureaucracy has been had substantial improvements. There are improvements in every direction, and most of our GDP has been much yeah. higher than anything that was expected at this time of uh, where this stage where U.S. is right now. And uh, in case of China, there are lots of non-performing loans there, and it's not public. No one, everyone knows that there are what percent of uh, loans in Greece are non-performing yeah. because of transparency that you require. Can you just say what, what do you mean by non-performing for the people who are listening? Sorry. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, example, non-performing loans is the percentage of loans that missed interest rate payments or are in process of defaulting. And that's a huge problem because you just need the one big default as this chain of events goes people start going to banks requesting money when you borrowed someone to something and he's defaulting then you cannot pay money that you borrowed from someone else yeah. this you just need the one big thing and china so far has been very good in managing this there are a few small bank defaults in a few different small areas of china and the government to cover it if something like that happens in Shanghai or Beijing or any of these big areas, it can end very, very badly. And it is in China. I think that the, uh, China is also the largest recipient of foreign investment from the U.S., right? Like the U.S. has like trillions of dollars in, in, in China at the same time. That's right. And it's going way down. And uh, you just need... Uh, it's a change you know, from people thinking that our oh, money is coming to our oh, money is not coming anymore to trigger these problems, mm-hmm. you know? I also want to ask you, do you think we were talking about Trump did good mm-hmm. stuff for US and whatever? It, I mean, first of all, here it's very controversial if you say, oh yeah, everybody's taking like, uh, still saying, oh, yeah, shit words about Trump. I mean, he is, uh, on some points, he's uh, a little bit weird and yeah, he's yeah. definitely not a normal person in general. But like on the economics, if you look at stuff, yeah, it's been doing okay. Uh, and even better, like if you look, compare it with Europe and stuff. But do you think, like, for example, what he's talking about, like, the trade deficit, me personally, I think it's just like a cover-up story for, okay, we have to put the tariffs. Because you know that your economy is going stronger, you know the dollar is getting stronger, you're not going to change the, the exports and imports, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, if your currency is very strong. Yeah, so I guess his idea is that all the countries, they have unfair trade practices. Yeah. They impose official or unofficial tariffs or subsidies, which act in a similar way as tariffs. While the U.S. has been following all these trade agreements that was signed very religiously, you know? So Trump is saying, okay, are we stupid or what? Like, why everyone is violating this, not to get punished for that, whilst we are inflicting all the pain? So he's negotiating all these trade deals, and it's only good for U.S., right? And he's a great negotiator, by the way. I don't mean it's just because he wrote a book about negotiation, but just because of what he has been doing. He got a great deal with Canada, a great deal with Mexico. He probably will get a good deal with China and with the European Union. He's working on it. So I think he's doing a great job on the trade agreement side. His team is awesome as well. These hedge fund guys who have been sharks in the U.S. and they really know what they're talking about. So I think this trade will be good help for the U.S. And isn't this, is there also this... this uh the two balance sheets you have in economy in economics with yeah. trade deficit mm-hmm. and uh, money inflow money inflow what do you call them the, the capital the, account and the current account yeah, capital yeah. current account and then you, when you have a large trade deficit it means when all the goods leave the country mm-hmm. they have, you get money for it so the money comes in so yeah, when you have a large trade deficit mm-hmm. you have huge 
service uh, basically service. They live, US lives from services yeah. they don't live yeah. from exports you have that's huge right. money inflow at yeah. the same time that's, that's, that's right. what it undeniably means that's so. right yeah. But, uh, okay. yeah at the same time but for example when you're talking about the, 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 the what he was saying that the uh, Trump is renegotiating deals. That yeah. For example, but uh, we were talking about Vietnam before, mm-hmm. and like Vietnam is doing the same thing as China. Nobody's mentioning them. They don't give a fuck. That's but right. they're doing the same thing. Yeah. Doing, because it it is not supposedly yeah. overtake U.S. economy yeah, in the next yeah, twenty yeah, years. Yeah. It's, not, it's not a trap. Yeah. But like if you look at the uh, Vietnamese dong, which is the currency, they slightly they, it's pegged, mm. but they slightly devaluated. You know, like the same as China, they have to keep it on par. Because like if China really yeah. devalues their currency, they they have to like keep the competition. That's right. That's so I right. Wanna, Hmm. I had this idea. I was reading about. It's an idea, but I was uh, like uh, things. I think I noticed. Mm-hmm. So I was reading about the Vietnam and whatever. Now everybody's realizing that because um, you have tariffs between China and U.S. Yeah. Especially on aluminum and stuff like this. They recently busted this guy, the billionaire guy from aluminum, because he was uh, trying to surpass the, the tariffs. Mm. So what they do is they they would send Chinese goods <laughs> to Vietnam, and then let's say change a little bit of the thing and yeah. put made on made in Vietnam, <laughs> and then you send it from Vietnam. And um, so exports in last six mm. months or one year in that period from Vietnam to United States went up yeah. by thirty percent. Wow! And Vietnam has a pegged currency to United States. <laughs> do you think that this 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 puts an upward pressure on Vietnamese currency? Mm. And uh, do you think that mm-hmm. this in the future it might break the pack? I mean, this is yeah. like completely like huh. a, don't touch the table. I don't know if you, mm-hmm. if you yeah, you hear? Yeah. 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 I apologize to everybody. I'm, uh, I'm yes. trying to explain something. <laughs> <in my hands. laughs> oh, that's very interesting point, actually. Yeah. So question is what uh, U.S. going to do about uh, about this? Because they know that mm-hmm. uh, loopholes that Chinese firms found is a pretty much sensor gets to Vietnam, label it as made in Vietnam or whatever, and send it to, to U.S. so they don't uh, are, don't feel this pain of tariffs. Mm-hmm. Is, is, are you, Vietnam is a great friend f- with the U.S. and Vietnam knows that they... Yeah. Not years ago. Not years ago, yeah. Not there was a little bit of a problem in what, miscommunication <laughs> 30, 40 years For ago. For 10 years, you know? it was a little bit uh, tough down there. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It was a little bit warm there, very hot, you know. So not, not uh, yeah, it's a little bit warm. Number of uh, amount of green forests was reduced there by substantial amount, you know. But uh, uh, but uh, yeah, so I guess the US will probably find a way to put a deal with Vietnam. That's just not gonna happen. And I think uh, lots of companies are moving away manufacturing from China to Vietnam. And it's actually working out great for them because Vietnam is very close to China, so they don't need to inflict too much damage. They can send these goods to China, Chinese markets, the supply market with, uh, with goods, and also they get even cheaper labor. And very, very stable government. Vietnam's government is very, very stable. Yeah, you can call that they are communists and so on. Yeah. But end result is end result, right? Just very, very stable quality of uh, war pro- works that they produce is very, very high. So Vietnam can be next big economy in addition to Indonesia. Yeah. So I think now might be great time to invest in Vietnam. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I even think that even if the trade war doesn't happen, this happens anyways because uh, exactly. China is getting more working class, they're getting more money, that's more right. people are not going to work in the factory anymore. Exactly. And it's slowly exported to another place exactly. or like India or stuff. India is yeah. already... It's, it's actually funny how, yeah. how, how like economic upswing is like helping the entire society to get better and to basically avoid, to lift everybody out of poverty, to foster automation, to, to make automation widespread. 
and to get rid of like super simple jobs that are not paying almost yeah, any but kind of money. <clears throat> yeah, I mean that's like the next. That's where US is going now slowly, right? So that's right. Yeah, that's uh, AI and the impact of AI. Let's let's talk a little bit mm -hmm. about yeah. what you're doing. I heard you're doing something a bit with, with the A and the AI. <laughs> 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 learning, right? <laughs> something dangerous. Something dangerous. Um, Georgian AI. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I'm joking. so AI, so yeah. AI, uh, yeah. So uh, it's uh, we found that uh, one of the best applications of machine learning and AI is in the asset management space. So we have lots of data in terms of text data and speech data, so unstructured data, which really can naturally be analyzed by traditional regression models and traditional data analytics tools. Mm -hmm. So machine learning is perfect for this, which I guess to, to talk a little about is basically the idea of instead of you explicitly coding what software wants you to do, you're supplying the model with as much data as possible. It can be completely unstructured and software figures out cause-effect relationships. Mm -hmm. And basically it's itself defines what it should do versus you telling them exactly do this if this happens, do that if that happens and so on, right? So an asset management is perfect for that. And you have a uh, uh, few big components, including my ex, ex company my, where I worked at, which is leading the uh, direction of AI and asset management. Most of the hedge funds and mutual funds do not do anything because they do not have the AI talent, right? Because right. so, if you are a smart AI engineer, would you rather work in a very, very small hedge fund or work in the Google? Or you probably go to Google because that's where the best AI minds are, right? So we are solving this problem by creating a platform that enables non-technical investors, small, medium-sized hedge funds, mutual funds, and banks to get these AI tools in their hands and become computer science wizards pretty much so they can compete with bigger guys. So we are changing the, the system right now and we want to become Google of all things AI. We want to, when you, you want to do something AI, we want you to go to Genesis AI. And we have had very good growth rates so far. And the idea is to just just keep growing and improve our models on and on, so that we can help everyone, and other than just big guys, to make great things happen. So it's like a so it's like a a marketplace where you connect the people who have the mm -hmm. the AI tools and the people who need AI tools. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. exactly. Do, exactly. Do you sell, sell the AI module wise or are you, your uh, yeah, yeah, basically, basically the, the provider side, do they sell a per module? Do they say, do they say no, do they sell, basically how do they sell it? That's yeah, is it like a contract, yeah. is it uh, exactly. a partnership, what do they do? Yeah. Exactly, so well, there are two ways how our platform models are sold. First is models that we developed ourselves. Mm -hmm. Those are sold as a subscription way. For example, company will pay 20000 per user per year to use our models. Second type of uh, our model is sort of more as a marketplace model. For example, we have a company who deployed his product on our platform. So every time someone uses this platform, he'll be getting paid 5000 per year, for example, per user. So we share this amount that is generated through companies using his model. It can be fixed amount, for example, he can get 5,000 per user per year, or it can be more as a transaction fee. For example, it will be as a percentage, we'll take X percent amount that was exchanged between buyer and the seller. 
And one of the most interesting thing idea here is that we want to create, be, be turn our models into a network of models. So there will be hundreds or even thousands of machine learning models, exchanging data, trading services, learning from each other to do something much more complex as they independently can. Mm, it's super interesting. It's super interesting. So, mm -hmm. do you think you, you can, like, simplify this to an extent that even like non-educated people can understand it? Like, because you, you, mm -hmm. right now you're targeting more uh, smaller mutual funds, funds, uh, maybe authorities, maybe like trading companies. Do you, are you also trying to make this fit for the silver market for the uneducated person, for my mother who doesn't know anything about mm -hmm. AI? So uh, there are few uh, few areas where we are thinking to uh, to target initially. Asset management is one of them, and in general, on high level, just, so we will have two categories of users. First is non-technical people who wants to use machine learning to gain edge in whatever they are doing, and second is technical people who already have these ML models are looking for ways to add additional functionality or improve accuracy rates of these models. Because in this machine learning world, it's all about your accuracy rate of your models. You know, yeah, it's that, all that's, about that. Yeah, that, that's that's what I was asking for because. Mm -hmm. If you, for AI machine learning, can do a lot of things wrong, mm -hmm. and it produces high accuracy and it looks great, but at the end of the day, you have done wrong stuff. Oh, Mike Roby. Oh, <laughs> no, 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 Mike Roby. I'm, I'm, I'm also reading the books. <laughs> no, no, yeah. no, no, because yeah. you remember we were teaching us the accuracy is not the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. No, no, but really, like for mm. okay, for, yeah. for like linear regression, yeah. R square uh, mm -hmm. is, is like some sort of a spongy thing but it still mm. measures regret like it yeah. measures accuracy properly yeah. but mm. for AI you can have 100% uh, accuracy on the training data set but when you test it in the real life it's absolute bullshit yeah, so the I'm generalization so is then yeah. very bad I'm sorry to the listeners that we took up to, to went on a tangent explaining <laughs> R squared no because somebody because listen this never opened R or something don't uh, know what the, uh, what the heck we're talking about okay. so he was basically to talking about measurements that if you're trying to mm. code something or do a regression in R um, you you use these measurements to see how good you are. Yeah, no, okay, the difference to to go right. back. The difference is for mm -hmm. Professor Yankee. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> R squared for linear regression always will show you you have done a good job or have done a bad job. But for machine learning, you can apply the wrong pre-processing, can apply the wrong uh, parts of AI to it, and it will look great. But it has done a wrong job. Hired. <laughs> He'll be flying to Sweden for his Nobel Prize next year. Right? Oh, uh. You should have listened when we did the last podcast where we had uh, we had a nuclear physicist at York. Yeah, uh, I think he had more more knowledge than New York oh, on the topic. He was hundred uh, percent sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, but oh, this yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. He's actually talking to. Okay, so the um, Nobel Prize will change its name to Yankee Prize. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. yeah, don't give the German authority to give out these. Prizes. Biggest contribution made to AI through podcast. You know? <laughs> that's, that's a dream come true. Right? So, so to go to go back, uh, two questions: How big is your company? And the second question is: You you're basically banking on the fact that AI is going to be the future. And me personally, I agree with you because if you go around at least a little bit about Boston, like if you go to networking events, you go to venture cafe, which we mm. mentioned many times. Any kind of networking events, if there are startups, they're going to be AI. There's going to be machine learning. At least one startup that's doing something. There's going to be machine learning in healthcare, which pays a lot of money if you know actually something. Or it's going to be machine learning in, I don't know, in different uses and stuff. That's like, looks like the new, it's the new thing. So basically, that, that's where it's going. 
Exactly. So, yeah, first mm-hmm. question, how many of you, how big of a company yeah. were you based and stuff? For sure. Yeah. For sure. So, we're a Boston-based company. We're a team of around 20. We grew from pretty much three people to 20 very, very fast in the last few months. In terms of... Uh, there are, being, there are so many machine learning companies. So I wouldn't say machine learning. The companies who claim to use machine learning, they use it as an investment uh, to raise funding or something. Mm-hmm. You know, very, very, There are around 10,000 very high-quality engineers in the world. 10,000. Lots of them are in Boston. I would say around 10 of those are in our team. <laughs> so, <laughs> Keep it <in> <laughs> <laughs> so very very few who do real stuff yeah. because this is very very hard and uh, we do real stuff our team team members worked at uh, Google at uh, Bridgewater at Microsoft so our team members have done this in other companies started in the premier institutions in US and we know what we're doing we do real stuff with real users and real technologies that uh, is only getting better day by day so idea here is to go from where we are team of around 2200 in the next few years we want to crush take the bloomberg down take the all the other big guys down and create something for the people by the people i'm not uh, when you are coming for you <laughs> <laughs> i would say when you leave uh, the health building uh, look left and right when you cross the I might sound like Bernie Sanders, but uh, we need revolution. We need it. We need to start it now, and we need participants for it. We need people who can participate in this revolution. So we need you, people who are listening to this, to join this revolution. We should benefit to everyone, not just to Michael Bloomberg or Mark Zuckerberg, right. who takes your data and does re- extra. You're redistributing the, uh, the wealth. <laughs> we are redistributing wealth and degenerating data by, wealth. Uh, Giving exactly. it back to the people. Exactly, exactly. That's, uh, that's a dream, and uh, we're going to do whatever it takes. Uh, whatever it takes. Yeah. Um, Actually, well, because I've never looked into it, when did this whole... Uh, um, gaining very deep insight, very accurate insight from data and then over to machine learning, over to data science, uh, data analytics. When did this actually start? Because it started very abruptly, like mm-hmm. in the last 10 years, it feels like. That's right. Was there like one particular event mm-hmm. you can attach this to? Yeah, so that, that's a great question, Bill. So uh, 90, so AI has been pretty much, I guess like machine learning has, 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 has been around for like almost 100 years. So, but it had uh, its ups and downs. What you are talking about, which happened around six years ago, was breakthroughs that was happened through this new type of AI, just deep neural networks, which mainly has been led by a few researchers in Canada and also by Google. So this breakthrough triggered people to get very, very interested in this thing. And since then, it has been accelerating and accelerating. Huge funding, huge... Uh, every company is trying to do something about it. So now is the best time to build AI companies that solves a real problem. It's not like I want to use AI to do something. No, find a real problem. And if the AI appears to be, if machine learning appears to be a good way to solve the problems, then do it many mistakes people make is they try to find ways where AI can be applied. No, it should be opposite. Find a problem and then think whether AI can be a good solution for it or not. Yeah, I want to mention if um, also, like let's say in 1990s, you didn't have Google, you didn't have Facebook, you didn't have these uh, uh, basically data collecting machines, mm-hmm. right? 
and then now when you have Google and Facebook, all of a sudden you can collect so much data. So like it feels even kind of natural that after you collect all of this data, yeah, well we can use it for something, you know, like and then because right. you have to feed uh, big data sets right to the machine learning. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So that's that's interesting. So um, uh, 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 so how long have you existed for? The there? So less than a year. Okay. So we have, we're a pretty young company. With Which stage, if it's not a secret? So we did one round of funding uh, and we're going to do some second round sometimes in the next uh, three to six months. Yeah, that's 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 not not uh, not an easy job. Uh, yeah, it, we last round we did just in few hours to be honest. Really, just a few. It was the fastest thing I have done. You know? Really, it was very very fast, very interesting, very efficient. Which is, you know, like people spend sometimes years fundraising. You know, and that's terrible because what happens then is you don't work and focus on more important thing, which is customers and the products, right? But people get in this trap of, oh, I need to fundraise now so I cannot work on the customers. And if you can don't get customers, then you don't get funding. Then it's all about long-term thinking of just building a good company. If you build a good good company defined as real customers, real product, if you do that, the fundraising will become so much faster, so much faster. So it's a well, well-balanced uh, leadership and they care about all the things equally, about the product, about the customers, about the PR. About so the way, way I raise funding is usually uh, through parting with my potential investors. You know, no, I'm joking. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I have seen friends who raise funding. They do uh, uh, champagne showers in clubs and all this stuff. No, my, I'm a little bit more on the... Uh, more as you know, just have real conversation. As long as the investor yeah. pays, <laughs> it's all good. No, I, I, I'm usually more on the professional, classical mm-hmm. side of when you have actual conversation, discuss everything, and then actually raise funding versus you know asking someone money when he's drunk or something. Yeah, you yeah. Know? yeah, yeah. So well, I want to say, yeah, actually, I know where I work, and we have these investor meetings and every Thursday. There will be like people come from different startups because it's like a huge hub. Or like a more hundred startups that work in like clean energy space, and there were like guys who were saying, yeah, yeah, I've been I've been talking to investors for like last six to eight months, and I just finished uh, uh, fundraising. And with, yeah. to, to your point, I think like with fundraising, you basically, okay, we know what's the first step. Let's yeah. build this. Okay, now we we came to the second step. We need this much money to do the second step, and mm. then you come to the investor. You already done like your job. Now exactly. you need you need some push for the second step. We know what's the second step, and then. Exactly. There are people who kind of wiggle no. through this, not really connect these phases. That's right. Do investors also sometimes set you milestones before they start talking to you again, or do you just approach them out of the blue and then start asking, uh, yeah. hey, we have this new and... It's, it's more of a money. relationship kind of thing, right? Yeah, so there are some investors who uh, have specific uh, investment criteria, for example, unless you have 5 million plus in revenue, they will not invest. So those investors, you know what they are expecting. If investor has invested in companies at the same stage as yours and he's giving you milestones, he probably never invest. Mm-hmm. He's just finding an easy way to tell you no, mm-hmm. you know. And what happens is lots of people waste their time so working on those milestones only to realize that this guy will never invest and he will just give you a new milestone. You know, they're all always the way. Or can you get two, if you if you only had two more customers or if you only had uh, X percent accuracy rate, uh, better models than you have right now. So I I guess my sort of rule is if if your fundraising lasts more more than like two weeks, you're doing something wrong. Either your company is not good enough, 
all your pitching and communicating in a completely wrong way, you know? It's very, very important to have good company. Even if you pitch very bad, if you have good company, smart investor will know and he will invest. Right. Because mm -hmm. usually investors, at least when we were talking with, with the company I work, uh, they're usually either some kind of finance people, they know their mm -hmm. stuff and they'll go through the bullshit really quickly. And even if you're not very eloquent, if you have like a product that's, that's right. stable, they, there's no bullshit. So that's I think right. Yeah. And sometimes uh, I was, from my experience, like no, uh, there were, these people also look like no can mean yes at the latest. Thing. Yeah. So like even if you develop a relationship with somebody, you can, it doesn't mean that if they say no, it's a definite no. At some point, maybe you mm -hmm. put them up and stuff. That's right. And also so important for an investor to think that you are equal in every direction, right. both in terms of wealth and also in terms of your success and so on. Because people like people who are similar to them. Like You can talk about diversity all the time, but reality is reality. People like people who are similar to them. The same thing is happening in hiring. People hire similar people as they are. You fundraising and investing. People you invest in similar people as they are. So, and if you show that you are equal to them, then just like 50% of the work is done, you know? Which means that people should not be um, sort of shy of uh, living in the same lifestyle as some of these investors live. Because that's one way to signal that you, there's equality. I, I think also yeah. that, that, that what you said that people like people like them and also this is like a kind of an emotional mirroring I think there's one technique that that's very, right. um, a great book um, about negotiation is never split the difference mm -hmm. I'll, I'll go for that one I think this guy was speaking in Harvard at some point and our professor Dalko was bringing him actually at Harvard wow. great negotiator he was an uh, ex-FBI agent so yeah, I heard about this book yeah and uh, yeah you know that's why sports is such a great conversation mm -hmm. but like Oh yeah, who are you? Like, oh yeah, you're a Patriots fan? Oh, me too, yeah? And then we immediately, we... That's right. You trust me a little bit more. I That's know, right. For some stupid reason. You're exactly. like, this guy's cool. Because he's a Patriots fan. And then you even might, like, invest... To a certain point, you might start to, like, trust the other person just because it's we're kind of, okay, I get what, how you feel. You're not That's really... Right. Yeah, you're bonding over common interests. Yeah. It's right. not like you come to investors like, yeah, watch hentai. What about... <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, like people, and also another thing, either you show them that you are very similar to them, or you create the environment where this guy's perception of what successful person in your industry looks like meets how you hold yourself. For example, in AI space, when someone, what people, what people's perception of AI scientists, crazy mad scientists with glasses, with long hair, probably a little bit overweight, very, very uh, throwing his hands like he's, that's like a stereotype, right? So if an investor is completely opposite than this description I get, he will still like you and invest because you fit into this idea of what successful AI scientist looks like. People complain, no, I want to be unique. I want to have 100 tattoos on my body. And so, I mean, it's good to be unique, but you also should be practical about it, right? If uh, what you do damages your career process, you should reconsider one more time whether it makes sense to be unique, right? Because in the long term, it will hunt you down. It will really negatively affect your your, uh, your happiness level. Yeah. Yeah. And when, when we are at, at investors and all this, this uh emotional thing that happens between the lines how do you uh, manage to keep your work-life balance because you're like mm -hmm. 
going between all the, the locations between Charlotte, between Boston, yeah. and New York and stuff. So mm-hmm. how do you do it? How do you stay sane? Yeah, it's a great question. So uh, what I found is, uh, so I had reflection uh, about what I care the most in my life. What are my strongest desires? Some people, for example, care about romance, right? They just care about uh, being married happily or, or having a girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever, right? Some people care about eating great. That's their strongest. Some people care about exercising. People have different types of desires, right? My strongest desire is to win. So as long as I'm winning, I'm happy. So I'm very, very happy. So if I'm winning through my company, I'm happy. I don't have this need of, oh, I want support for someone. Or I need to go clubbing, you know? So I'm happy when I'm winning, when I have momentum. And I still manage to have my personal life well because... Uh, because I know that if you are overdoing something, you are doing something wrong. Delegation is a key to success. It's key. And I usually delegate a lot. I surround myself with people who have compatible strengths and weaknesses. And for example, I usually it's painful to realize that you have weakness in something. But only through dealing with this reality can you become better and can you improve. For example, if I realize that I'm not... Uh, crazy great engineer I will hire someone who is great in that so we will complete each other so I usually delegate it's one of my ways of finding this uh, work-life balance uh, uh, without sacrificing any of those I should have quoted him yeah <laughs> I sh- no but this is completely <laughs> true like there are many people who can't this is the ego problem you know you can't admit that you're not good at something mm-hmm. like you have to kind of reflect on yourself and see which things you're, you're shit at. Like, so important, yeah. so important. Because if you are, for example, let's say, I don't know, like five, five, and you want to become next LeBron James, let's deal with reality, probably not gonna happen, you know? So no, we're all equal, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so like this, that's the example when being persistent means being stupid, you yeah. know? Or if a chicken wants to lay a porcelain egg, no matter how much it tries, it's never gonna <laughs> happen, right? So, I will, yeah, I mean, every chicken probably wants to lay porcelain, it's never gonna happen, you yeah. know? So it's very important to deal with realities. I think that's what I found differentiates successful people from, uh, very successful people from who, people who are not successful, the ability to deal, deal with reality. Sometimes it's, Get to distort reality, and Steve Jobs used to do this all mm-hmm. the time. Uh, but uh, I, I think you can distort reality to a certain extent for mm-hmm. motivation and for keeping sane, exactly, and to 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 comfort you a bit. But you cannot distort reality twenty four seven, or you're gonna just live in a yeah, exactly. Terrible. But I mean, exactly. at a certain point, it's good to dissolve your ego a little bit, and then because you can't really always look at yourself. Yeah, you, 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 you <laughs> like if I talk about Bill, I cannot be objective. But like if I even if, imagine if I trying to communicate myself to mm. myself, it's even like, yeah, well, how am I going to be objective? So that's why I think th- these things. You know, when I talk to Bill, first thing that comes to my mind is Nobel Prize. You know, <laughs> so <laughs> I can never be objective. You're about just thinking, that, okay? when is this guy yeah, going to exactly. get it? Exactly. I was like, when is his flight? When is he going <laughs> to Sweden? <laughs> uh, I'm only going to come with the Swedish Easy dread first. Yeah, exactly. Easy dread first exactly. over ocean flight. I'm like, why <laughs> Nobel Prize is still called Nobel Prize and not Yankee Prize? You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's funny. So no, but this is what pe- when people you're saying people when they say, oh yeah, you have to find yourself, you have to whatever. But I feel like if you put yourself, what I was doing basically through my life, I put myself in like positions which are 
not really comfortable and then you find out how you deal with them because I think we all have like certain settings that we get when we're born, right? That's right. There are certain settings like there are some people if there is like a, like a, 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 a fucking, I don't know, a fight or there is, there is something happening that's like really somebody shooting somebody, some people react, run away, some people come there like, but you know, like everybody reacts differently. Or like if you're put in a position where you have to deal with a lot of people with That's different right. nationalities, some people love it, some people don't like it, some people like to, but it's important to know what, how you are like in these positions. And then you just find out where you're good at, how you work, and then kind of put your priorities, right? That's right. Yeah, life is all about knowing what you want. You know, like mm-hmm. if you want to be, uh, if you want to be, I don't know, just like, sitting uh, all day and watching Netflix for there's nothing wrong with it as long as you can get what you want life is all about that so understanding your strongest desires is so important right. so you know when people think about okay I'm graduating what should, what should I do now people think about industry for example should I be in blockchain industry should I be in AI should I be investment bank that's a completely wrong way of thinking about mm-hmm. it's going going deeper than that what's your strongest desire and then you think about what are industries and types of companies that can help you to meet those desires for example i found as long as i'm winning i don't care if i'm running a restaurant which i used to or i or do i used to run a restaurant yeah i did back in georgia Georgia. so what was the story was uh, so i wanted to get a job in hedge fund space during my freshman year not only i didn't get any job i didn't even get a single interview i was so upset i was i just came to harvard world is mine i'm gonna run the world i was super arrogant and i didn't get even a single interview so i went back home and uh, then one of the uh, sort of large chain of restaurants in Georgia got shut down. And I took an uh, economics course during my freshman year. I was thinking about supply and demand. So if supply goes down and <laughs> demand stays the same, there is an opportunity. So I just started restaurant. So I started restaurant. We opened around six months late, later and it worked out very well. Yeah. Very well. Was it part of a chain or was it just a single one? So ours was a, was a, was a single restaurant. We started okay. as a single restaurant, super the bigger, 120 seats. We had three floors. We eat was high-end restaurant, mostly Georgia food. We also had German German food, especially German, German sausages, cuisine. German, German cuisine, cuisine. <laughs> German cuisine. Uh, so big sausages and, uh, <laughs> and uh, beer as well. We had all the popular German beer, which was good, like HB, for example, or Paulaner and so on. So it was fine. It was good. So uh, it was great business. The restaurant was like running like a small factory, you know? So... Uh, um, yeah, so I, I realized I don't care what industry I'm in. Only thing I care about is to win, you know. And I think that's what people. So, 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 there are some girls who only thing they care about is to have a good boyfriend, you yeah. know, <laughs> or get married and the structure of their life. Well, you happy. <laughs> it's like whatever makes you happy, you yeah. know. Or, or some people care. Only things they about care is what whatever, right? Like uh, being able to uh, ride ride Lamborghinis yeah. and so on, right? So. So for so, you, it's just momentum in your life that makes you happy already. That makes makes me small happy, yeah. For me, I, we were already talking mm. this about uh, with with uh, Landro, mm. with about dream job. And I was saying that for me, dream job is not really. It's like a concept that's not really s- smart for me, especially yeah. when you're like usually people have their dream jobs when they're small and mm-hmm. when you're a kid. What the fuck do you know? But at the same time, like I see, for me, I look I look at the perspective. Okay, what kind of a lifestyle do I want to live? Yeah. Okay, and then what for a job? Job is a tool to get 
to this lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It's good. If it's very, very good if the if the job is something that I like and if I wake up in the morning, I'm motivated to do this and I can stay in the job. Exactly. It, it can be a part of my life. Yeah. But if as long as it like if I'm doing something that I really love and I'm poor and broke and I can't fucking eat, well, no. Yeah. You know, because it's not the dream job. I want to live a certain exactly. lifestyle. And if it makes me happy, it's good. Exactly. And if the work also is interesting, motivates me, it's good. Like I, some exactly. kind of. And sure. yeah, winning all, all uh, like if you lose all time, it's, it's kind of exactly. Actually, the, there is a, also a great article by what's his name, Hunter Thompson. Mm-hmm. He writes this in the sixties, like that the concept of dream job doesn't really get get in because yeah, he he doesn't want to be a worker like for the rest of his life. It's more of a, about like what do you wanna like you wanna be free, you wanna do something, but exactly. then you wanna travel somewhere. You want you, you wanna like you wanna go to a club, you wanna buy a drink. That's There's right. a girl you wanna pay her a drink. Exactly. Not because it's like you know it feels good, you know. Oh, my rule is to never pay drink for for, for to a girl. <laughs> that's my rule, you know. And I I would I, I can imagine that a, that Bill would agree as well. He goes further. Uh, he goes farther. He's like never pay the dinner for the girl. <laughs> 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 Like pretend that's a business dinner. And no, 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 no. You're gonna lose followers. <laughs> You're gonna lose female followers. This <laughs> you need equality in relationship. Yeah. Going back to equality, yeah. you know. Going back to equality, and also like when you pay for a drink to another person, you're indirectly harming his or her health. You know. So when you don't pay for a girl's drink, that you're doing good for her actually. Yeah. You know. So uh, because alcohol is not not great for health. You yeah. know, like why Trump is so healthy, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Files them with it, you know. Or why Hillary Clinton was pretty much passing out every time she was giving a speech because uh, she has been doing all these cocktail dinners and parties where she was drinking all the time, right? It's really a hard life. Uh, yeah. Can these, really hard these people, these people, people are like, like, yeah. really hard. <laughs> no, but these people are clear, like. And why Bernie Sanders is uh, healthy because he takes drinks from the rich and gives it's to non-rich, you know, that <laughs> like he really distributes alcohol pretty much. So, uh, <laughs> if you really want to redistribute something in this world, start with the alcohol because that can really make. <laughs> and then go to weed and everything else. Yeah, I think they're, they're starting to redistribute weed. Actually, Canada is doing very good because of the weed business. Mm-hmm. Like the old, all the companies are registered there on the stock market. None, none of them are here. Yeah. Uh, would, would, would AI have a place in the weed industry? What could you predict with AI in the weed industry? It's uh, interesting. Yeah. You can do like uh, it's it's a a basically. basically it's at the end of the day just customer acquisition costs or customer acquisition likelihood. Uh, who's gonna Who's gonna smoke in Boston? Who's gonna start smoking? No, in Boston? we can also do uh, what velocity like they're growing, how much crop you're getting, yeah, depends supply. on the weather, all these data. You can put them I on. think there uh, was somebody. No, it's another startup back from Montenegro that we're working on uh, the cool. same thing. Uh, basically, collecting data that we put, we put these harvest stations um, in your vineyard, right? Yeah. So if you have a huge vineyard, where we found out that usually these people who use the vineyards get the data from like, I don't know, Tbilisi is. 50 kilometers away, and it has like one st- metal station or like 10 of them, and I am getting data from them, right? Mm-hmm. But it's not really here, it's in Tbilisi, right? Uh, but it's so similar, you know? Okay. So you're banking mm-hmm. on the similar data. But yeah. it can rain here, mm-hmm. and 50 kilometers away, it might not be raining. Wow. So you're trying to use like, you're trying to localize this, and yeah. then you don't need people to go um, through your vineyard and check like the, the, the stuff, the temperature yeah, and stuff. Yeah. You're just getting everything on your phone. 
-hmm. and uh, they, they train the system, they train the data and the system itself, the app, but they're putting the app, I really understand how they do it, mm -hmm. uh, with using the biology uh, scientists from Serbia, they got a grant uh, for 10,000 um, euros, uh, where basically the, the biologists are talking to the data guy of the company who's training the data. So like for some, uh, uh, basi basically some diseases in the, in the wine sector, uh, you, they're trying to train the system so you can pre predict when you're supposed to about to get like the disease on the, your oh, plants so you can prevent it, what to do not to get it, why is year 2016 a great wine, why is year 2002 the shittiest wine oh, interesting. you know the difference in years yeah. why you know people usually don't know it's well, just, just here you know yeah. Yeah. so yeah uh, you can apply data in everywhere like pretty much yeah pretty much yeah well we have uh, we have uh, what's the next no 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 clapping no clapping, huh? <laughs> no clapping. <laughs> yeah um what's the, what's the next uh, question i what's think i had question? in my mind um hmm. so we discussed ai we discussed yeah. capital markets we discussed genesis <sighs> yeah um, markets markets are very interesting data. yeah, yeah. Well, i mean uh, you know like what there are so many interesting topics in the, in the, in the market mm. and uh, uh, okay let's maybe go to this one because what just came to my mind uh, we've been to founders live last week yeah mm -hmm. last week and there was uh, one startup uh, presenting a democratized the democratized version of ai and algorithmic trading and what they basically were was what they were producing are about to produce and about to release was an app that offers you a model that you can create your own trading rules for algorithmic trading and at the same time you can also do super simplified learning ai learning and i'm thinking can you really give this to people who have no clue about this and then at the end of the day the, the payment uh, version was you pay per position and per rule you activate so this is i'm thinking this is probably ending up in somebody ending paying a lot of money that you don't earn any money at the end of the day if you do it wrong. Yeah. So he, here is saying if you are a serious trader, you will not trade through the mobile app. Okay. Like yeah. you need you need to set. That's the first thing. Yeah. So that's the fact that this guy is building this for mobile app users. You know, he has where you are a specific target of people who probably don't know anything about trading as they think that they can be next Warren Buffett or 10x leverage Warren Buffett if they yeah. use this. You know, like this first and second, uh, general algorithm in trading is very, very hard. It's uh, You can only do well if you are very, very deep in what you are doing. And if you, you know? actually have real-time data all exactly. the time, and you can, you can actually do it for uh, exactly. 50 minutes a day and then let it run. And it will exactly. If you're in the mobile app, probably the 100% of hedge funds are in front of you. Like, exactly. It's f f faster than you and yeah. they have better knowledge. I guess like idea, like premise one is, no serious trader will trade through mobile. Premise two is algorithmic trader. If he wants to be successful, he should be very, very serious. And conclusion is like they will have no serious users, you know, no serious deep technologyable algorithmic trade who will use their mobile apps, you know. So I don't know, uh, but I mean also like uh, yeah, exactly. the question is what to. I, I like to think about some sort of contrarian perspectives. Everyone can tell you that Apple will stay a trillion dollar company. You know? mm -hmm. Anyone can tell you that, uh, for example, uh, Uber will be a good company in the future. It's all about what you think that market does not get correct, you know? That's very interesting. Yeah. And one interesting thing is, uh, and also like thinking about where is the next opportunity to go 100x. Some people think that it's still Bitcoin. 
Yeah. And we can talk about that. Yeah. Or some people think that something else, like cannabis stocks. I think it's just a matter of time when North Korea will probably become one of the best investment opportunities out there. I think North Korea's government will make a change and they will open up their market to outside investors and they will finally decide that, okay, we want to be like South Korea right now. So, and that will create amazing investment opportunities because you have same ta- almost similar talent as South Korea. You have great location. You have great history of being a wealthy country. South Korea was very wealthy since, since middle middle centuries, and uh, prices are so low. Right, South North Korea has one of the least. Least amount of salary, yearly wages, least amount of uh, prices when it comes to real estate. So when they open up the market, and I think it's going to happen in the next few years, I think it will be next opportunity to go 100x. Yeah, and me. also, uh, we cannot say anything bad about North Korea because we probably get going to uh, get hacked or something. Yeah. You know? okay, so, <laughs> we probably uh, get like a rocket. Yeah. <laughs> so only positive things about North yeah, Korea. Yeah, no, I, would, I, I mean, yeah, I agree. Uh, but one, one point I would like to make with North Korea is that I think it very, very, very much depends on who is in power. Because when I see the their leader, the guy, I think when you, when you see him meeting a Trump, he looks like a little kid who's like... Oh, oh, Just man. for the record, he's a great guy, okay? <laughs> Just for <laughs> the... <laughs> he has a very great friendship with Trump. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I feel like as long as he's not afraid to open up and not lose his power, I think then they will do it. I think it very much depends if he's afraid. Or, right. And then again, how hungry they are. You know, like if your people are dying, they're like push and pull. So uh, it's very political, huh? It is. Yeah, very political. Is you know what, what I wanted to mention? You see so many IPOs these days, right? You see Uber IPO, you see Lyft IPO. And you, Slack. S- you see Slack IPO, you we see work, yeah. uh, WeWork IPO. You see, uh, what's, the, what's the what's the meat brand? Uh, Beyond Meat. Beyond Meat IPO. Not All really of, meat, it's like... Yeah, Beyond Meat. So it's yeah, a vegetarian version of meat, which mm-hmm. is actually pretty good. We ate it once, we didn't even notice. Yeah. Be honest. They weren't us was a scam. Yeah. <laughs> but, but anyways, uh, all, what all these companies have in common is they don't, have, they don't have net income. It's non-existent. They have losses. They accumulate losses. However, they generate IPOs. They get so much investment. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking to, to a certain point, how are these companies going to go through a recession? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really? And at the same time, are we as people getting a service that's not really realistic? So if I pay $2 for an Uber, is it because Uber doesn't care about their net income because they're going to get money anyways invested in the company? Mm-hmm. Or is that... That's a is, great question. So at one point when they're, you know, like now they're pushing them a little bit and you can see the, the offers are changing, the prices are That's changing, right. both Lyft and Uber. Milestone system. system. Yeah. yeah, milestone. They're trying to get some kind of a subscription so they can actually get some revenues. Cause, That's right. But at a point where the economy is doing bad and, okay, now you, investors are not pretty, pretty much optimistic mm-hmm. about everything, how this company is going to survive? Right. For me, I think this is some kind of a bubble. I'm not... Oh. Sure, if I'm correct. Yeah. But like, I think having all of these companies, especially WeWork, mm-hmm. WeWork is in it's global company. They're in like they raise how much? Uh, seven hundred million. I think seven hundred million. Right? Million. I can look it up quickly. Mm-hmm. Just before the IPO. Yeah. Because I mean, they probably realize okay, we're gonna raise a lot of money in equity. We can raise debt, and they're probably gonna even out or something. But what do you think about this? This yeah. idea. Yeah, it's it's a it's a great point, Vlad. So. Uh, uh, 
and interesting thing they know that uh, they will probably be in trouble if recession hits and because they know that's why they IPO'd right now so yeah, everyone exactly. you know like their advisors Goldman Sachs and so they know that the Fed started to uh, Fed started to raise interest rates only mm -hmm. recently they decided to mm -hmm. lower it but that's then the recession will probably happen soon they, they know exactly they want to cash in at this valuation crazy valuations yeah. right so that when recession hits they will have capital to uh, to preserve uh, reserve their existence you know yeah. so they know that they are some of them are ready about it but I guess the next sort of like billion dollar question is what will how industries will change after recession right which companies will win after the recession for example you can make an argument that weed companies will go through the roof after the recession yeah. because the alcohol sales does not really change when recession hits. Usually well, alcohol sales go up well, when yeah, recession yeah, yeah. hits. Same thing with weed, right? Yeah. And it will be first time as millennials will go through, will experience recessions right. on our own income, right? Yeah. And what you are gonna do? Millennial would rather smoke weed than, uh, than drink alcohol, yeah. right? So our weed consumption will actually go up. And I guess, I think lots of people, first time they really try weed-related products will be during the recession, right. you know? People who lose jobs, who, who's uh, Robin who they count goes down 60% <laughs> or even worse if you are 5x leverage will go down to zero pretty much and uh uh, and you want uh, some way uh, to um, to um, go through this process, you know, your yeah. girlfriend will probably break up with you and all this stuff, right? <laughs> so people yeah. will need some sort of a way right. to, to fight this. And I think weed will be next big industry that will benefit a lot by recession. And I think Bitcoin in general, crypto will be another one that will benefit from so, this. Okay, so this is my, again, one point to add. I was, I'm talking this for a year. So with, I was thinking, okay, yeah, Bitcoin, no, nobody's really sure about the value, blah, 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 it's very volatile. I was thinking, like, you have, the, you have this economic expansion, mm -hmm. right? The, 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 the stock market was a very a good place to invest your money, right? When you hit the recession, right, all the, all the usual vehicles for uh, getting back your return will go down. What's left, what's un not correlated with the stock market, mm -hmm. it's cryptocurrencies. Exactly. That's exactly. where we're gonna go. I mean, exactly. cryptocurrency is some sort of cryptocurrency vehicle. In this I was really thinking. I was thinking like, when the recession comes, mm -hmm. it's gonna be so good if you own some more currencies. Yeah, I mean, gold, gold. Yeah, gold is another way. Yeah, yeah. but also like, w what's going on right now is that uh, governments has so much debt that they probably won't be able to repay that at some point. Mm -hmm. So what they're gonna they start will start printing money, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, people's holdings will lose substantial value. So you need the currency, something that government cannot completely like go hundred decks, and Bitcoin is exactly that. No right. one can increase supply of Bitcoin by hundred right. times. If you look at this, starts from Roman Empire. In every hundred years, governments printed so much money that whatever people had lost almost all the value. Because they, why? Because they have been accumulating the debt. Yeah. At some point, they stopped being able to pay for it. Then they printed so much money or so much coins. They used it money, but people's holdings went down to pretty much their real purchasing power went down to zero. And Bitcoin, no one can do that with the Bitcoin, yeah. right? So, you have the limited amount. Exactly. And the next halving is coming next year, actually, by the way. Exactly, yeah. 
And you know, you know the, the, the first, actually, what you mentioned in the printing of the money, one of the first inflations, let's say, in the Middle Ages and stuff, you know, when Spain went to Latin America and they went to Peru and they figured out, oh, Peru has a lot of uh, silver and gold, especially yeah. silver. They were getting silver, they were getting rich and richer, they were mining more silver. And exactly. until the point that, like, silver became worthless and, they were, and you had the first... Uh, exactly. Crazy. Crazy, exactly. Yeah. This happens happening every every hundred years. This happened in Roman Empire, this happened in China, this happened Germany. Germany everywhere. Yeah. Builds German. <laughs> no Germany, nothing happened in Germany. That's why wow. Germany is super, super tight now. Yeah, exactly. Like. Yeah. That's why I'm getting But they learn from their mistakes. That's that's actually a very oh actually yeah. in the anime scenes, this uh, funny uh, twenty trillion dollar mark and one hundred trillion dollar mark uh, built like funny. You know, Germany has the best, best democracy. Their leader has been in power for almost 20 years. Yeah, you know? yeah. Which that's all democracy is about, right? When yeah. someone can be a pretty much lifetime cancellor. <laughs> chosen by the people. Chosen people the by choice. the people. Exactly. People had choice, you know? No lobbying involved. No, no lobbying involved. Nothing involved. Yeah. No, but, uh, no, no, no. Real question, Bill. When, when is Angela Merkel planning to leave? Or is she going uh, to be cancellor to that? I should take over, man. <laughs> you can do that after Sweden, you yeah, know. Yeah, he's after going, you can he's gonna have a, a Skype call while he's going to Sweden on the plane. No? <laughs> <laughs> I think she's about to leave. She's already preparing uh, plans. She's already making. Have you uh, seen the video where she's trembling? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah she's Can you show it? Please, can you show it on YouTube? You can turn off the sound, so. It's so funny. Like, right, so she's trembling? Trembling. Like yeah, the thing is she has some health problems and I think she's about to leave. It's, yeah. it's very... Just turn off the sound so people are not like... Yeah, you can you can Google, uh, by the way, to the people who are listening, yeah, Google Angela, Angela Merkel seen shaking for the third time. So yeah. I think she's... Yeah, Almost I mean, three times in a week. Yeah, too much Adderall. Too much Adderall. Too much Adderall, man. <laughs> yeah, it does look healthy. So I think no, she's... Yeah. She's, uh, she's barely on her feet, yeah. I mean, She's of course, of course, when you meet Finnish prime minister, you will start shaking. You know, <laughs> <laughs> maybe it was too cold. You know, maybe exactly. Like, yeah, 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 exactly. It probably was. Uh, uh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's also it's a fucking tough job. Oh, that's it's a, it's a bad news, Bill. Oh my god. What's Germany gonna do without her, Bill? Yeah. I'm not sure. I, I don't know who's gonna be the next one because the other lady, they were uh, as long as they put in place. She didn't want to take it. She didn't feel right for it, I think. And now the oh, who's the next guy? If that the radicals come into the power in Germany, I'm moving out. I'm I think the final minister. Sure. <laughs> what? <laughs> if, if the radicals win in Germany, like uh, I'm moving out. It's over. Oh. I'm telling you. You know, I was telling him. You know, what's the World War Three? My theory. World War Three. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know my theory, right? It's flying Germans. What so do you Germans mean? come back, but now they're all flying. They all ah. have these uh, backpacks, and they just come to your country. Like, oh, ah, yeah. <laughs> Powered <laughs> by BMW, yeah, you right? Think, like, oh, yeah, we're going to nuke them, but none of them are there. They all came to your country, we're all flying and killing you. you know? <laughs> Powered by BMW, right? <laughs> Mercedes third time when history will repeat itself, right? But now it will end badly <laughs> for the world. Flying Germans, that's the key to doing For the world. I'm not BMW, are trying to invent drones. So they're just doing armed trucks and drones, and we don't give a fuck. Yeah, just some trucks. Yeah, we don't care. We're flying around. We don't give a fucking canoe. But I think the finance minister was the nice candidate for. No, but I want to say also to go back to the thing that we're saying with all the. The, the sorry the, the companies that are not having income and stuff I think they're all living on Amazon they're all living on Amazon's success and every and the investors are saying oh yeah they're gonna be the next Amazon because Amazon had losses and That's a lot right. due to uh, Jeff Bezos they kept the investors you know yeah, like yeah, yeah, how he uh, was able to right. persuade people 
I think like when you are investing uh, completely into the future and growth, it's a high risk, high reward bets. If well, if it works out, you'll be like Amazon, which is pretty much monopolist, yeah. or you'll be like, for example, there's so many like Blue Apron, for example, this food uh, sort of delivery slash prepare preparing company. The stock went down by ninety five percent almost, you know. So they're almost going. Probably I think they were gonna go out. Why? Why? So Blue Apron, be- mostly probably because of huge go- blue, it's got blue blue, blue Apron. It's uh, it has fierce, very very fierce competition. As big as like from DoorDash, from all the food delivery Uber companies, eats. exactly. Which is uh, yeah. If you look at their stock, huge, this uh, huge blow up. Nice <laughs> yeah, <laughs> huge disappointment for everyone. And um, uh, and uh, also another reason why they have been performing very poorly is because their cost of customer acquisition was much higher than lifetime value of customer. For example, they were acquiring customers for around $350 and lifetime value was around like $150, which is the job price. Exactly, which, and then they changed the perspective was from, or oh, let's now instead of maximizing growth, let's work on the on the profits, you know? Yeah. And then as soon as they change it, but you see like the stock went down from 150 around to around eight bucks. Right. Now their market cap is 100 million. Their series A was down around 100 million. Can you imagine? And this is failed companies. This is an example of failed management and bad market. The CEO of this company probably should be jailed <laughs> for, for being that stupid, you know? I think there should be some sort of punishments for being too stupid, you yeah, know, you especially yeah, especially when you are playing with other people's money, you know? Yeah, but it's US, you know, it's US. I guess so. The companies C corp, so yeah. management cannot be. Uh-huh. But for a, me, I, at the same time, it's a good thing and a bad thing, right? Because here, if you have a public company, it's not uh, tied to one person. So, mm-hmm. like, if you have one person, you have companies that like fire their founders and then they get somebody else. And sometimes, because it's public, you know. Exactly. But then at the same time, if somebody's fucking around with with the with the money, doing something bad, they cannot be punished. That's not really at the same time just because of this shareholder maximization principle there's a lot of short term a lot of uh, short term things being done and uh, just just for, for the quick bug but there's no long term growth often going on especially yeah. when you are already listed so that, that's the thing that's yeah. right but in general this idea of LLC where founder cannot be indicted as in the company if company is not able to pay to suppliers and creators the founder will not go to jail. That actually has been one of the major reasons why this industrial revolution happened, mm-hmm. you know? Because people were not able to take risks when their personal wealth was at the stake. Right. So this idea of LLC, which is completely imaginative, right? There's no, no it's, it's in human's imagination. Yeah. Or it's, it's like a water bottle. We agree, we, can, we agree. Exactly. All of us agree this is something. Exactly, exactly. It's human imagination. The same thing as a concept of the country, like, Right. For example, Germany is a concept of the country. <laughs> it's in humans, as humans imagine, <laughs> humans imagination, right? Yeah, and definitely uh, not in the series. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I apologize for the politically correct. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so yeah. yeah, I mean that's that's mm-hmm. a that's a great point, I guess. Um, at the same time, you know, like it's also a problem with debt. You know, taking on mm-hmm. debt. Um, I know, like in the history, the the reason why. Jewish were uh, Jew people were giving a lot of loans and that they hated a lot of times is because Christians and the Muslims and stuff were forbidden of getting 
uh, raising, getting debt or like borrowing money from somebody because it caused a lot of social unrest. Like, like if I borrow you money, you don't pay me back right. in the most primitive way. Somebody's gonna kill you. Like That's even right. though somebody's gonna like, if you go to a loan shark, good luck. That's right. Like, yeah. I know people who can come back to our city because you know, like no legs. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no hands or something, you know. Yeah, one default, one default equals one yeah. leg gone. Yeah, one finger supply, gone, exactly. Missed interest rate payment means one finger gone. Yeah. You know? yeah. Uh, yeah. it's probably too much, but uh, yeah, that's uh, actually if you if you realize, credit is the biggest driver of the economy. You know, like for example, if I can borrow three times more than my income is, I can go like my GDP can go like three x literally, you can right? Three times more. Exactly, you can spend it, which is like consumer spending or government spending, which means somebody GDP. else can earn three times more. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. and like you need to make root flow. That's, that's, that's yeah. Yeah. Yeah, as long as your you, Ray Dalio was saying as well, we pointed out as long as your income is growth is higher than your the interest exactly. payments, you're good. As long as you're exactly. if if I like let's say, yeah, I have a hundred dollars now and I borrow from Bill, I don't know, ten bucks. Yeah. If I'm gonna earn next year or like fifty bucks, I have to pay you back, right? If next year I'm gonna earn two hundred bucks, well, I don't care. It's okay. I'm gonna give fifty to Bill. I'm still gonna have more money next year than I have this year, right? Exactly. So, but like, if you really, if you can't, this is where these deleveraging, leveraging mm-hmm. exactly. things come right into play. Exactly. Which basically people don't get that when I, when you mm-hmm. borrow money now, you can spend more now, but that means that that's at right. some point in time you're gonna have to pay this back. That's right. And this is what's happening uh, in China. China's. Uh, GDP debt ratio went through the roof. Right. So people are talking about this miracle six percent growth that they have been it mainly has been debt driven actually, really? and this dream can only last for a few years, right? Or so even good in good cases, few decades. Mm-hmm. And when people realize this is there's no more dream uh, to be pursued, then the bad thing happens. You know? China, if China goes down, Australia goes down, Chile goes down for sure because they're all the you know, exactly. materials that they're making. Exactly. Oh, everyone, go up. everyone goes down except Germany. Okay? Yeah, Germany stands tall with a uh, surplus every year. Always. I get, I get there's a certain uh, bias here. I appreciate it. <laughs> everyone, every bank goes down except Deutsche Bank. Deutsche you know Bank. why? Because they already went down ninety five percent. You know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah Bill. What has been happening with Deutsche, Deutsche Bank? Bank yeah. We're talking about ninety five percent. How dirty they are. Huh? You wouldn't say for. German people. I thought about <laughs> no the dirty <laughs> business. You know they're doing like left yeah. and right. Oh yeah, th- this guy was doing with Deutsche Bank. The the, the pedophile guy. No, that's in the what's his name? Jeffrey Epstein. Epstein. He's also Epstein. Deutsche Bank was doing his account. So, so like, I was thinking that this bank got founded in 1871 as a commercial bank for import export like during the, the first uh, empire who founded the uh, second world war germany deutsche bank deutsche bank <laughs> what what world war <laughs> <laughs> why do you call it second <laughs> who will fund third world war deutsche bank, deutsche bank. Exactly. Not, not really how it looks now you know but like uh, Deutsche Bank is a good example how you can like destroy such an old corporation within two decades I would say yeah two yeah, decades pretty much by just bad management like this uh, um, who was the guy the CF- CFO or the financial manager it was yeah. living in New York and then committed suicide because he was currently forced by the other management guys by the other uh, CEOs and COOs to trade and to to approve all these super risky papers yeah. but he didn't want to and then he just committed suicide because he couldn't stand the pressure anymore or so this, you don't have the good principles yeah, yeah. Well, this, this, this Anshu Jain guy do you know where Anshu Jain works for this Oppenheimer something investment yeah. banking wow. uh, thing in New York so they all don't care really when, when they go 
as a management external Bill, question company. is what how you are going to say Deutsche Bank? That's the question. I, think I have you know? to move in. I'm already into us. And also Volkswagen. Uh, what happened with Volkswagen? Right? But I think this, this is more of a, happen. <laughs> you know? yeah. But I think this this is more They're of a, more back. of a annoy the large competitor here in the US because uh, GM also had huge problems with their software. They also had this this almost devilish combination of mm -hmm. your engine doesn't work, your engine catches fire, and at the same time the uh, locking system doesn't work anymore. Yeah, don't so change the topic to the main. No, 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 yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, don't blame. We started talking about the German car not working. It's like already talking about GM. It is really that. No, way. but but to close the podcast because we did already one hour twenty two minutes and stuff. Um, no let's, one, one last question. Do you think mm -hmm. Tesla will survive the crisis? I love that uh, topic. Because uh, <laughs> everybody's jerking off to Elon Musk. He's a smart guy and everything, but I don't. So, uh, I shorted Tesla when stock was around uh, around $200, and then it went up to like 350 mm -hmm. So, I have had very painful memories about yeah. Tesla, to be honest. So, I have been huge skeptic of Tesla almost all my life, but around it has been around the years and i started to change my perspective so now i think that the tesla is amazing long-term bet it's maybe a little bit overvalued right now uh, but i think amazing long-term and why because of their position in self-driving car industry mm -hmm. they have both hardware and software and most importantly san francisco type quality engineers to make it happen for example, if you are the best hardware or best software engineer, would you rather work in, no, 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 no offense, Bill, in Volkswagen or BMW or Tesla? 100% Tesla, right? My best, smartest of my classmates, do you know how many of them went to work in Volkswagen? Any guess, Bill? Zero, exactly. <laughs> How many went to Tesla? I myself just know five guys who yeah. work in Tesla. Same thing from MIT. Yeah. So they attract the best talent and they have both hardware and software. Google is mostly software, right? So they don't really have these cars that are already, they're not experts in manufacturing cars, right? So they partnered with other companies, no, or General Motors. They have hardware, but they don't have the software. Tesla is a tech company. I think they're gonna win self-driving car race. And it's a trillion dollar industry. Yeah. And whoever wins there, his, their stock will go 10x. So I am very optimistic about Tesla. For me, I, I would say, I, I would love for them to, to like to succeed because I think they're they're doing something great because if you look their product on the street it's like a future car like there's no there's there, there's no discussion that this is not going to be the product of the future because if you look at Tesla car and you look even the BMW it's era difference right it's like a 50s car 70s car I don't know 70s cars 1990s car you know it's just, it's a different thing the only thing is can they really push their uh, operations and can they really mm -hmm. achieve what they're trying and even in the, in the in the in the bad economic so i'm i'm rooting for them i'm not really sure but i think if they survive the crisis they're going to be the, the That's right. they're going to be the next That's whatever right. not as big as volkswagen Bill. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay guys yeah. um actually it was a pleasure man thank you anytime uh, we can we can have this con many conversations many different thank topics uh, and yeah um what's the website uh, ai genesis genesis ai, genesis AI. Guys, check it out. Um, anybody who's interested in machine learning, 
you can contact them privately. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, no, thank you yeah. a lot. Thank you, Bill. Great yeah. conversation. Yeah. Very, very interesting and lots of fun. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, for being here. And uh, until next time, yeah. Enjoy your day. <laughs> Ciao. Thank you.